Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody, welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, we are going back to 1982 to watch the fantasy adventure film, The Dark Crystal, in honour of the release of 2019's The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which is streaming right now as you're listening to this. Yes, uh, by all means, go and delve into it once you've heard us wax lyrical about the original film. Uh, we are recording this before the release of uh, the new series, though, so just just in case you're wondering why we don't mention any, I don't know, plot-related things to that, that's why. Joining me as always, we have somebody who has seen the film and who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Ellen Sears. Hello. Ellen, uh, beep, 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 PhD update. It's been a while since you've been on. It um, has been a while, yes. You were still writing your PhD last time. I was, you I were was on. still editing it. I was. I, I think you said, you said PhD update and I went, Ugh, and just made a horrible noise. So uh, <laughs> on this latest PhD update, where are you yes. up to? It is submitted for examination <gasps> as of... June somethingeth. So you're you're potentially maybe soon going to be Dr. Ellen Sears? I yeah, in the not too near distant future. So when when you hand in a PhD, uh your markers have about eight weeks to mark it and get it back, get their comments back, and then you find out whether you have to do major revisions, which is a pain, minor revisions, which are like slightly less of a pain, and no revisions, which barely ever happens except to this one guy that I know because he's amazing. Um so yeah. So, most people don't tend to mark it in eight weeks, though, so it tends to be a bit longer. But that's about when the university is going to be like, hey, have you guys marked this yet or not? So, I'm just completely ignoring the fact that my PhD even exists at the moment and just working and doing other things. That's fantastic. <laughs> we are watching The Dark Crystal today. We are. And you've not seen it! I haven't seen it. It's Jim Henson! It's, I know! It's puppets! I've, I've seen a lot of Jim Henson stuff. I watched a lot of his stuff as a kid, so I don't know how. I missed this. It, I reckon it must have been. It, it just wasn't on TV, or if it was, it was just something that we didn't record. Because we... I remember watching, like, Muppets Christmas Carol. I remember watching, like, uh, uh, Muppets in Space and uh, all the... I believe it's pronounced Muppets in... Space! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I definitely did um, Christmas Carol and Treasure Island and like all that kind of stuff. I watched Sesame Street. Like I had, I had a reasonable. I was not like you know Sarah, who <laughs> you cruelly got on a Christmas Carol despite the fact that she's terrified of Muppets. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just missed this entirely. I kind of knew that it existed in some capacity, although I think a lot of my knowing that it existed came from down. It was. I think the. The font was one of the first ones that I downloaded it because it was a pretty decorative font and I still like it. So there you go. Excellent. Well, joining us to uh, guide us through the world of Thra, we have Mr. Daniel Buckle. Hello, hello, hello. 
uh, Daniel, I uh, I was going to introduce you with the human Muppet, and I thought against it, and then you went, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, Mooney, Mooney, Gertie. Daniel, welcome back to the program. Oh, it is good to be back, Stephen, and so good to be uh, reviewing the Dark Crystal. Yes. Now, Dark Crystal, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can you tell us about this film? Oh, it's um. Ah. It, it was a mammoth undertaking by the Jim Henson Company at the time. They poured so much work into it, and it became a kind of a flop at the time. Um, so it's like an incredible, talented production company. As as you know, the Jim Henson Company is, is the best at what they do, um, in this person's humble opinion. Um, and um, uh, it was like a, a, a work, an absolute labour of love, um, by by Jim Henson and um, uh, and all his team, but it didn't really achieve much success at the time um, and became a sort of a, a cult classic. Um, it's weird, wonderful, and slightly dark and scary, as you might imagine from the title. Mm. And it very much ties into that sort of uh, 80s fantasy, uh, well, specifically dark fantasies, uh, things like Labyrinth, which came after it. I always kind of associate those two films very closely. Yes. Uh, it was probably because of the use of puppets in both as well. Mm. Um, Maybe that's why I never watched it as a child because I was very prone to nightmares and my mum tried to steer me clear of like, I wasn't allowed to read Goosebumps books because they gave me mm. nightmares. Mm. So well, I, mean, I mean, Willow gave you nightmares. <laughs> yeah, but that was because I have a fear of like being transmogrified into an animal against my will and I feel mm. like that story is on the Willow podcast. So if you're interested in hearing about my childhood trauma, feel free to listen to that. <laughs> but I also, fe- I also feel as though Dark Crystal is maybe a little bit scarier than Willow. It, it legit is. Oh, yeah, good. It is, yeah. Cool. I mean, I figured like... Okay, I know very little about it apart from I've watched the um, trailer for the new series of it that's coming out. I know very little apart from the fact that it's Jim Henson thing, so puppets. Um, they're like little critters. I think it's got like the vulture things. They're like a scare. Sk- the Skeksis. The Skeksis. I think Skeksis. Skeksis. Yeah. Skeksis. Thank you. Um, I know that they're a thing that exists and there's like it's obviously like a fantasy type dealio the fact that it has crystal makes me kind of think that okay like obviously this is like a fantasy thing so there's some sort of like power or crystal there's magic there's that kind of thing like that's the kind of vibe that i get from it but that's about as far as it goes well should we delve in and find out sure Mm -hmm. all right for those of you (laughs) listening at home pop in your dvds and prepare to go "Mm, gelfling as we watch the dark crystal. So what I'm getting from this now is that Yoda is also in this. Is this what I'm... Frank Oz may make an appearance. <laughs> Makes sense. Hey, Cinema Catch-Up Club fans. Are you, by any chance, a fan of the world game, of football, of soccer? Well, we have a podcast just for you. That's right, Thoughtjar Productions is bringing out its very own football podcast, and it's called The Funny Old Game. Join me and my two special guests, Ryan Fitzgerald and Tommy Dolman, each and every week as we discuss everything that's happening in the world of football. For more information, visit thoughtjarproductions.com or visit our Facebook pages. You can search for The Funny Old Game or Thoughtjar Productions and follow the links there. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Mm. 
Hmm, welcome back everybody. We have just finished watching The Dark Crystal. And by we, I of course mean soon to be Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. And maybe not ever to be a doctor, but who knows what the future holds. Dan Buckle. Unregistered nurse. <laughs> so, Ellen, that was yeah. your first time watching The Dark Crystal. What did you think? It was like a weird mishmash of a lot of things. Mm. Um, I think it would have frightened the crap out of me if I'd seen it as a small child. Mm. Um, like specifically like lower primary school sort of age, which is probably about the age that I would have watched it if I was going to because I had an older brother and an older cousin who are three and four years older than me respectively. So, you know, I spent most of my, my childhood watching, you know, Jurassic Park with them and frightening my socks off. Um, this is the kind of thing my cousin would have made me watch because she knew it would give me nightmares. I mean, it is very... Um, yeah. It's pretty dark. It's, I was like, yeah. man. I mean, and there were a few points. That's the thing, though. I was like, oh, yeah, like 80s like children's thing. It's Jim Henson. It's probably not going to be all light and fluffy. And then it's just like, and now this character got stabbed. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm. Like, there was a few things that genuinely threw me for a loop where I was like, wow, okay, like that. I don't know that that would fly today. Mm. Really? It wasn't the light and fluffy crystal. It was definitely no. It was definitely definitely the dark crystal. Did you enjoy it though? Yeah, I did. It was um, yeah, it was interesting. I think it's the actual. I think the thing that I enjoyed the most though was not like the story because the story is very like A B C D, and because there's been a lot of stuff like this. I was sort of, like, guessing a lot of stuff that was going to happen. I'm like, oh, well, obviously, like, the mysterious cloaked figure is this. And there were a few things that I was like, this is going to happen. Then it didn't. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's fine, too. But I was waiting it for it to play into a lot of tropes. And most of them it did. And I was like, okay, cool. But it was the actual physical design of the world. And there's a lot of camera shots where it just lingers on like all the extra little puppety background mm. animals that are only in like one shot. They're just kind of like hovering in the background and all of the set dressing and all the stuff that they did for that. That was probably the thing that I enjoyed the most, like looking at all the little details and just being like, Jesus Christ, like there was a lot of effort obviously put into this and I can see why it took so long kind of in development and everything. Yeah. what Watching it um, on you know, modern televisions, uh, we were watching it via a streaming service this particular week. It it does really hold up very well, the design and look of this film. And, the... and there's a couple of, like, dodgy moments of CG, but, I mean, that was the early 80s. That's what CG was like. It was not very good yet. Mm. And because the rest of it is, it's not really, like, cartoony, but because there's no, like, human characters, um, it's I find it slightly less jarring. When you have got, like, um, very obviously, like, characters that have been sort of, like, uh, against a green screen and then put into another thing. It's slightly less jarring for me as opposed to something like thinking about other films that were coming out at the same sort of time that I've watched, like the Star Wars films, which Mm. we were talking about a lot, especially Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, I remember watching the non- remastered versions of them yeah yeah like the original ones and Mm. then like the remastered ones and what they were doing with like the cg around like the edge of the rancor and stuff and like the cg in this was not as as good even as like the original trilogy but i I feel like it was slightly less jarring in this because of the fact that it was so not human and not realistic it almost felt like watching a mixed media sort of cartoon type thing Mm. 
Dan, uh, obviously Dark Crystal, uh, you were already a big fan of. Um, did mm-hmm. you get anything new out of this particular watching, though? Um, yes, I, I always do because it's so jam-packed with lots of little details in the set design, and, and as you said, Ellen, so many little nifty oh, yeah. creatures just in one shot and and things. I, I always, uh, yeah, I, I I find myself on a lot of rewatches just watching the backgrounds and looking for those little details that I may have missed, and I was not disappointed. Saw a few little creatures <laughs> hanging on trees. I was like, oh, I've not seen them before. It's always uh, nice when you've got something you, where you've watched like a bazillion times and you go back and you look mm. at it and you're like, oh, I found a new thing. Indeed, I yeah. I think that's always nice. Yeah, I think w- one of the films that this, f- there was a lot of films this particular film reminded me of, but in that sense, one of the films, more recent films that Dark Crystal reminded me of is Mad Max Fury Road. And... I haven't seen it. <laughs> what? Well, it, it just purely. <laughs> for the... Of all the things you could have said. <laughs> Not because they're similar thematically, you know. We don't see, you know, we don't see Jen strapped to the front of one of those giraffes while, you know, Immortan like Skeksis is behind him going, hmm, witness me. Like, we didn't see any of that. Um, it was more that this film, like Mad Max, is a film where the more I watched it, the more I actually wanted to know about the world. And there was stuff that yeah. wasn't... There was yeah. stuff that wasn't explained. There was stuff where, you know, you're looking at, like, some of the village, like, the little pod village we saw only briefly before it got attacked, the podlings. Yeah. I was really curious about what the rest of that village looked like. And the same with the mystics and the yeah. land around the Skeksis Castle and the, all these valleys and scenes that I was seeing. I was getting some Mad Willow vibes yeah. off this yeah. as well, like, big time. There was a couple of, like, especially in the podling village, I was like, I'm getting, yeah, Mad, Mad Willow vibes you know, without the, but like just Willow without human characters, just literally all like slightly weird little alien critter fantasy things. Yeah. Um, so the, the plot is very simple. It is a very classic fantasy thing, you know, where there's a chosen one who's got, who's the... terrible at everything. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Oh, there's always, a, there's always a chosen one. And it's usually a guy and they're usually really terrible at all the things. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And then they'll have somebody else come along who's like, I'm actually competent mm. and, you know, good at stuff. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happened. And I was like, she's going to mm. be much better at all the things. Oh, look, she is. Good job. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that his only special ability was that he could read and write. Although yeah. that, that is was, a superpower. I mean, that is, I mean, yes. that, I mean, that is yes. important and, mm. and that is special. But I like the fact as well that... You know, the fact the prophecy was about, you know, Gelfling will be the thing that does the thing. Mm. But obviously it's Gelfling plural, not yes, Gelfling yeah. singular. She was also the chosen. Yeah, so in a way you could read it as, because they were the last two left, you know, without each other. Like, if he if he hadn't had Kira, then he would never have gotten there. And the fact that Fizzgig was there as well, like, it all mm. wouldn't have happened unless it was the two of them together. They, they had to work together. Exactly. And I think that was really nice. So it wasn't just, and it wasn't just like, you know, he then got all the glory and all the stuff and all the things and mm. that it did it to do. It was kind of, I mean, it did end pretty abruptly. So it's yeah. just like, and we're going to space glow off into yeah. space. Blah. It was like when and, they wrote and, Poochie out of the Simpsons. You know, I must return to my home planet now. Fume. Yeah, end. it was a little bit like that. I was mm. like, oh, okay. So, so my question then is, is the series that's about to come out, is that like a sequel? It's prequel. a prequel. Oh, it's a prequel. Okay, mm. so it's the lead up to it's this, the... the crystal getting shattered. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. That makes sense. Uh, is, feel- is it pre-crystal shattering? I thought it was like um, after the the first great conjunction. I so the Skeksis and the Mystics and also the Gelflings are, are there. Let's oh. find out together. Um, <laughs> I've just had a quick look online. Uh, the synopsis, such that exists right now prior to its release, is the story follows three Gelflings who inspire a rebellion against the Skeksis when they discover a horrifying secret behind the power that threatens their world of Thra. So, given that the Skeksis and uh, the Mystics supposedly turned up after the Shattering, it, I'm going to say that this is a post-Shattering. Uh, so, post-Shattering, thing. but pre, like, the genocide of the Gelflings. Mm. Yeah. Basically. That's, I mean, that's some pretty hardcore stuff. Like, literally, yes, we have just gone and just murdered literally this entire race because we were worried about them, like, taking us down. It's yeah. like... But that's what all wow. fantasy villains do. You know, Voldemort did it with the with the baby, um, with Harry Potter. Oh, he didn't do a very good job. No, he but didn't. That's beside the point. But, the, but they never do do a good job. That's the thing. You know, mm. you, never, you never see a Dark Lord that's actually all that competent. Even when the Greek Titans ate all the babies, they didn't chew them. They just <laughs> swallowed them whole. Yeah, mm. I mean, there is that. It's, you know, it's a classic thing. And while we're on villains... God, I love the Skeksis. Oh. <laughs> They're so much fun. Yeah, they are. I mean, they are, they are horrifying vulture creatures yeah, from hell. They, and they're all they're all so different looking. And like, yeah. there's the one that has all the finger attachments for mm-hmm. when eating the food, and then there's the other one with so disgusting all the glasses. And they've all got they the development went so into all their different um uh like jobs and and yeah. personalities mm-hmm. uh, and all the symbols everywhere all have different meanings. Um, and it's just shown as part of the background a lot of the time, but um, they've all yeah, got character you, you, development. You get, you get the sense here that there's somebody writing like a massive like fantasy epic like in like the backdrop, mm. which is all just kind of like subtextual. You never really get to go deeply into it. Mm. But there was obviously a lot of thought that went into this. Yeah. And you're looking at some of like, obviously they've they've taken things from various cultures. Like I was looking at some of the symbols and stuff and going, oh, that's very, that looks very Celtic. The sand drawing that the mystics were doing and like the little circly things, that's also quite sort of Gaelic Celtic looking. Mm. Um, the sand stuff, I was like, this seems like something like maybe like from the East, like... You know how they do, like, the sand also raking. Also from Australians, First Peoples. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm um, yeah, so it's interesting. They kind of pulled a lot of little bits and pieces, I think, from other cultures to yeah. sort of... And I also like, yeah, that what they did with the the mystics or the Uru, as uh, I've just learned that they mm. were called, yeah. um, how they were, you know, two sides of the same coin. Yes. And... and... Well, that's the thing. Their design, if you, if you look at them, they're sort of like the same, same... Yeah, they're both like sort of like these six-limbed, tailed creatures. Like the Skeksis' second arms were really small and like chicken wingy. Um, yeah, but they're just so incredible to look at. And like yeah. in that opening title crawl, where we see like the 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 light from the dark crystal shining onto them and giving them extra life, and you see just the little eye movements and the nostrils and yeah, everything. Yeah, and like the little gullets just kind of like inflating with the air. I was like. Whoa, like mm. the, the attention to detail on those puppets was insanely yeah. amazing. And the little clawy fingers and the and this and the changing between like the bit where he takes in the life juice, what's it called? The, the, essence. the essence. essence. He takes in the essence and then his hand goes like all like smooth and then it wrinkles up again. Mm. And I mean those are quite simple shots the way that they've obviously like overlaid them and, and worked it in. But even so, like 
Yeah, man. I'm looking at a lot of this stuff. And I mean, even like the sets that they destroyed. So like they had the little podling village and then they destroyed it. Mm. They had that beautiful set. Um, in the castle. In the castle. And then they just ripped everything down and it turned into the crystal castle instead. And I was like, man, man, they just like straight up just destroyed all this stuff. Just like, we're just going to just knock it all down. But it looked like, great. Oh, yeah. It looked awesome. I bet it was actual pro- proper. It lo- looks like practical effects mm. which always looks better on film i think mm. so yeah did you have a favorite effect from this film dan a favorite sort of uh, look or setting or character or design or creature i guess um because there's a lot to choose from there is a lot to choose from um i uh oh, a favorite would be very hard to to pin down on any one thing um i i really like the design of the skexies um i love their walk through the forest um, with all the little little creatures and and plants yeah, and things, uh, I love Ogra. Um, I love mm. I love her and her um, nipples, her very her obvious nipples. nipples. Yes, Coming I was like, wow. I, I was going to say her home, but uh, but her nipples too. <laughs> yes, yes, they deserve no, a mention. Her giant orrery mm. is amazing. But mm. no, that was the thing. She was just wandering through, and I'm like, oh man, like visible nipples. Like mm. good on you, the eighties. <laughs> well done. I mean, could you do that in a children's film now? It would be outrage. Can you imagine? Visible female presenting nipples. Oh, my God. Mm. It would look, freak. I think you get away with it as long as she didn't do what she did with her eye and just pull it off and use it to look at things. Like, no, that but that's, may be like, that's like the dude from Our Real Monsters, Crumb. He had his yeah, eyes in his not. hands. Um, for, for myself, um, I, I think the, the most... Um, uh, risque thing she did was sit down each time <laughs> the noise she made. <laughs> yeah, always sounded as though that squat was a little bit more than old age. Oh. Uh, but yeah, she's she's a bit she's wonderful though. Amazing mm. character design mm-hmm. and like the bony chest. I was like, I feel you, girl. I have a bony chest too. Yeah, <laughs> but I I really like um also the um uh, the combined um. Um, creatures, the the Urskex, um, where the um, Skeksis and the Uru uh, combine at the end. Uh, I think mm. they're gorgeous and beautiful yeah. and haunting. They yeah. always they haunted me since I was a child. Mm. Um, did you have a favourite effect? Ah, uh, probably Fizzgig. <laughs> and do you know what? Do you know what? I loved just the the, the design of that whole critter, and mm. I loved the movement because sometimes it was just like a little just moving around and then the next thing it would be just rolling and i was like yes roly poly ball of fluff i mean i mean ba- a lot of stuff in this we were looking at though and being like oh man that's like a thing from harry potter mm. that's like a and uh, the little twiddly things i'm like it's like a friggin billy wig and you guys went what's a billy wig and then we had to go into a segue about it um a billy wig is something from uh, it is, fantastic beasts is it yeah, yeah 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 they're like a little like hummingbird bee stinging Thing, right. And that's where you get the stuff to make fizzing whisbies, which are the candies that like lift you off the ground. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, fizzing whisbies are native to Australia from memory. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to look it up. It's yeah. been a long time. Yeah. Since if I've you're a massive book. fan of the Harry Potter books, don't don't track us down. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. And and there was another thing that you were like, oh, this is like a Niffler, Dan. And um, there was another couple of things that yeah, I was like, this is very like very Harry Potter. A lot of these little kind of critters that were coming up. The word fizzgig is one that I have heard used for a really long time. People be like, oh, just go and get, you know, Fizzgig over there, like a, as a stand-in for somebody whose name you don't know. And I'm presuming that it came from this, and I had no idea. Hmm. So I was like, should you just call that thing Fizzgig? Yeah. Is I'm, that where it comes from? I like that that's um, a word people... I haven't heard that used in that context, but I, I, I like have. that I like that you have. 
That's mm. great. Well, I, I, I don't know who, who or where. Like, this is just something, like, ever since I was, like, a little kid, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've heard people use FizzGig, and I've yeah. also, something that happened a lot in my family, particularly with my dad, is he would do the... Hmm, Gelfling. Oh, that, that doesn't surprise me <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, he'd do, he'd do that uh, quite a lot. For me, uh, the, the effect um, which struck me the most on this particular viewing um, was that of the Gartham, the crab monsters. Oh, man. And the little tentacles underneath. Yeah. And what great creature design. They, the way they move, like the way the puppeteers are moving within them is just stunning. They're like, what are the beetles with the big pincers? They're like... um. Big pincer beetles. No, no, no. I, I There's like know. a specific name for them, like the really armored. Oh, beetles. you mean like the the rhino like the, beetles? Yes, yeah. yes. It's exact. It's like a mm. just like a huge rhino beetle with mm. like octopus tentacles yeah. underneath. Uh, uh, they also reminded me a lot of the Mylurks from Fallout, so I was instinctively looking <laughs> for my um, VAT system. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, if you think about when this came out and think about people who were working on those video games, you know, it's it's reasonable to to expect that they might have been influenced in oh, some capacity. So many things were influenced by this. Yeah. Movie. I'm I mean, looking at it being like, oh. One of the things that seems quite obviously influenced by this film, or at least the fact that they shared production elements, was Star Wars. Yeah. It well, does feel as though that Frank Oz would have been running between set to set going, <laughs> yeah, guys, when, guys, when, when when the old master dies, make them fade away. Into nothing. Yeah. I was like, oh, this, okay, so this is Yoda then. Good-o, good-o. Yeah. I like the fact that they had like a little chin rest for the master. Because yeah. they obviously couldn't lie <laughs> down properly well, to sleep. No, but that, that was great. Is that, ev- that everything in this world made sense because like yes. the Skeksis don't look like they're really that they can move that well and we saw that the Uru move really slow but their movements yeah. made sense yeah and uh, like just... a little low lizard critter that's it they, they kind of look like they're like partially evolved to stand upright yeah like sort of like that that halfway between like monkey and human sort of like level but yeah. between like humans and lizards that's kind of I saw armadillos yeah, a little bit armadillo aren't they? Because they're quite, like, curved through the back. Um, what what I love about their design is uh, that they were, of course, th- thematically, uh, it, it helped. Uh, they, they were complementary with each other. Yes. So they not only shared similar characteristics, but um, they overlaid over each other yes. uh, in, in very well, geometrical ways. Yeah, and I noticed, I, noticed, I noticed the tails on the mystics and then noticed the tails then... Like that, that same sort of, and the face shape and everything. Mm. There's obviously very obvious visual, like parallels in the way that those characters are shaped. But the mystics are for, like friend shaped because there's that whole thing about like sharp lines and things that mm. makes you think like, oh no, like danger, danger, danger. Will Robinson, um, and that's the Skeksis. They they they're very angular and pointy and kind of like have like chunks missing and stabby pointy bits and those mm. little like spiky things on their back, the spines, and then yeah. when they get annoyed, they kind of bristle up like like a cat that's, you know, mm. pissed off with you. Mm. Yeah. The, the, that's fun. I mean, it's very clear that, yeah, the design element of this is is absolutely outstanding. It's Even Jim Henson, of course. Well, it's, yeah. It's the, the, insane. And, you know, it's... And Brian Froud, he did a lot of the... Brian Froud is a big part of this, yeah, his designs and even things like... Um, the the Uru were partly based off a design for kind of like a troll creature he had, but because he didn't want to infringe on his own copyright, um, <laughs> he, he adapted them slightly so they had the extra set of arms and then worked that into the design. And then obviously that then affects all the puppeteering. But it was just, even, mm. even the Gelflings, which by comparison are kind of just normal looking. 
I yeah, guess. Yeah, they're just kind of the, like little, like their ears are in a kind of weird spot. But they look a little bit like Who's, like the Who's from Whoville, like yeah. around the mouth and the little hmm. pointed But they're, But they're chins. still really good puppets. And I thought oh, what was amazing. I thought what was really, um, really well done was how seamlessly between shots you could go from an act, an actor dressed an actor. as a as a gelfling yeah. to the puppet of the gelfling because those movements matched up really well. The one thing that really like freaked me out and I was like, oh, this is a bit. Oh, was the weird like rabbit horse hybrid things, <laughs> oh, yeah. which just looked like right. skin just like hanging off. Like still, it's like I w- I looked at them and I immediately went, oh man, like this is like it's the Lion King, like the way that they for the musical, the way they do the giraffes, yeah. with the people in them. It's the same concept essentially. I was like. Man, Susan Stroman, like, you know... Must have watched this. Must have watched this and been like, oh, I wonder if you could do that on stage. But I was just looking at these horrific, like, rabbit horse hybrid things going, man, they look like they'd be able to, like, run, like, fast. I feel like these are the kinds of animals that would be, like, put in, like, races and bet on and stuff. And then, mm. like, oh, no, it's leg snapped. We've got to put it down for its own good sort of thing. Mm. I was just watching it yeah. like, oh, these are... They kind of wigged me out a bit. I yeah, cool, cool design, but just a bit. Did they just like cut a rabbit to bits and put it on top of like a horse body? It's a bit, mm. it's a bit horrifying. Apparently, the um, uh, the actors could actually achieve some fair amount of speed. It looked before like they, they fell could. over. I mean, mm. yeah, it looks like that would have been very dangerous. I mean, fun. It would have been hilariously good fun. One one thing we touched on a little bit before um, was that Jen, our hero. Was yeah. was a little bit useless, um, but oh, I mean that's most chosen. But ones one of the things I quite liked movies. about Jen is I felt Jen was very relatable in in terms of. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they were they were both the chosen ones, yeah, uh, because yeah. because the whole thing revolves around the two becoming the two one, and, becoming and, one uh, and it's all about um. Well, it's it's a bit of a dated concept, but the the old complementarity thing. Um, but uh, but very very much um, about uh, unification and yes. bringing together different things and yeah. using different skills. So mm. she had skills that he didn't have, and that kind exactly. of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, as you as you say, Stephen yeah. became relatable because he he wasn't good at everything. Well, one of the things that I quite liked though is, and it was an observation we made as we were watching, is he seemed to be a little bit like a millennial poster child, just kind of child. like self narrating. Yeah, just kind, of, kind like, of like, oh, I guess I'm gonna have to do this alone. I fell in a bog. <laughs> like, oh man, I fell in a hole in the ground. Yeah, <sighs> this is fine. He'd communicate in memes. Yeah, yeah, he would. He really would. He had an, he had an, a, like a the office style look at the camera. At yeah, one he point. did. I was like, he's just looking straight at the camera, straight down the barrel, like. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. It was. I'm so done with this. It was really interesting seeing. And then that. he just died. Like he literally told me, like you have this great destiny, and you have to find this shard, but didn't tell me where to find it mm. or what to do with it when I had it. And he just is wandering around like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I like that um, That uh, yeah, his master said, um, go to Olga, she knows all the secrets. And then she told him basically nothing as well. Yeah. yeah. She was like, I don't know what's what's going on over here. <laughs> you want a shard here? Have a whole box of them. Do you know which mm. one it is? I don't know. I want to know how many of the crystals... <laughs> I want to know how many other crystals there are <laughs> knocking around that need these shards because she's got them all. <gasps> maybe, <laughs> maybe, or maybe they're just shiny rocks, like bits of glass that she found. And she was like, I don't know, this looks like it might be a crystal. It might be just be a piece of shiny glass. I don't know. <laughs> like, just okay. Yeah, it okay, was. Ogre, I don't know. It was. It was a really fun, well-told story. Before we get to the trivia, I just want to ask because this this is quite a dark film. What what moment? do you think was the most like 
child nightmare inducing for you? Like, what was um, the darkest moment? Okay, it's probably a pretty good toss-up between, like, the brainwashing of of the puddlings. Oh, the, when they shine the, the light yeah, into their eyes. Yeah, and you're like, because previously you see them, like, wandering through and they've got, like, no hair and they're just, like, little. And I was like, it's like Gollum meerkats. Yeah. <laughs> they're just horrifying. I and I was like, what the hell is this? And then, obviously, you meet them, like, you know, in their village and they're all happy and got hair and stuff. And there's the little ginger baby one, like, ah! and then the mm-hmm. one with the doll, like, I have my doll. I'm like, oh, there's the child with the doll shot. I was waiting for that, you know, like, we've got to have one crying child with so, a doll. So the bit um, where they're transformed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the bit where they were getting transformed and the other one is when she just got stabbed when they just <laughs> stabbed Kira and I was mm. like whoa whoa where did this come from because I mean I didn't see that any of the Skeksis had like you know daggers or anything mm. it was just all of a sudden like and she just got stabbed in the back yeah. and just collapses slow. I mean there's no blood or anything but I was like Oh my god yeah it was, it was very full on that would be very mm. traumatising for a child like can you imagine I mean you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of like a contemporary equivalent, and the closest I've gotten is something like Tang. Oh no, but Dobby's, Dobby's slightly different. Good. I mean something that's like really for like oh, right. little kids, because mm. this feels sort of like it would have been pitched at kids like primary yeah. school and maybe like early high school type age. Mm. I feel like that would be where they were more sort of pitching their age range. Whereas something like say Tangled, where he gets stabbed and then she saves him with her magical healing powers oh yeah that's right that's that's the only other thing that i can think of and this was just so unexpected like at least with gothel it was like yeah she's crazy like i could see her stabbing someone and it's not really like oh such a shock this i was like whoa 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 hold on hold on hold on did they just stab her dan any super um super spooky scary moments for you in this one what scared you most as a child about this film? Well, um, uh, a few things. Um, the, uh, the the podlings getting drained of essence and Kira getting drained of essence as well. Um, uh, I was less horrifying for me because I'd already seen the podlings and they yeah. were slightly more like helpless, I think, mm-hmm. than her. Um, but uh, uh, also um, I found really creepy when... Um, um, the uh, the Chamberlain was um, going after the the Gelflings and being oh please come to us and then yeah. that transition from from that cajoling sort of um, faux niceness into just grabbing him and uh, um, or grabbing them at different points um, and just the way he spun on a dime and became suddenly really evil. Also, the death of the Landstriders by the, the Gartham. Um, mm. I, I always found that really sad because they were these brave, wonderful creatures that were just like, yeah, we'll help. Come on, Kira and Stranger, let's take you on. Wait, people in trouble? We'll help as well. Oh, no, now we're yeah. dead. Yeah, one gets knocked off the cliff. The other one gets torn, torn to pieces. To I'm like, oh, my God. For yes. me... Uh, the yeah. two that really stood out were um, Death of the First Skeksis Emperor, where he mm. just crumbles into dust. Yeah, that was pretty horrifying. Uh, and then not long after that, when the Lord Chamberlain gets mm. all his clothes like ripped yeah, off Yeah, I was just about to say in, that. In that was exile. really discomforting. Yeah. And a bit... Yeah, it was. And like you, that's one of the amazing things they did with, with those puppets is you could see the full range of emotions in these non-human mm. faces. Yeah. And you could tell that he was mortified and scared and all these and different just standing things. standing there like crying, and like leaning a li- on the wall. I was yeah. like, oh my 
it? That little bit of dribble on that one Skeksy's mouth. Oh, yeah, that he and then that wipes. One bit that he then wipes off. I was like, oh, there's such a good detail. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, so uh, visually stunning. Would you guys like some trivia about the Dark Crystal? Yeah, Please. sure. All right. Jim Henson's plan with the film was to get back to the darkness of the original Brothers Grimm fairy tales. I mean, he hit that. He felt he? that children liked the idea of being scared and that this was a healthy emotion for them to deal with. I mean, yeah, that comes across. <laughs> Early drafts of the script featured Jen and Kira travelling through the underworld where they encountered a race of underground mining creatures. This concept was later integrated into Fraggle Rock. Oh, there you go. Mm, could have been very different. It, it, that's very um, that's very Orpheus and Eurydice, isn't it? We're going to mm. go through the thing and yeah. do the thing. That's interesting. Way down, Gelfling Town, <laughs> way down under the ground. Way down under the <laughs> Pre-production work revolved around Brian Froud's designs uh, and didn't have a finished script. When Froud originally presented Henson with the concept drawing for the crystal, Henson was perplexed. Uh, when Froud asked why Henson said he had no idea what the designs were for, because Henson was going to call the film The Dark Chrysalis. Mm. And Froud thought he meant, oh, The Dark Crystal. And so he went, oh, no, crystal will work. So that's why they ended up <laughs> using do. a crystal. The, so the dark Ooh. chrysalis, we could have had like an evil butterfly. Yeah. Well, the dark chrysalis. No one suspects the butterfly. No. no. <laughs> the dark chrysalis was meant to be referring to the Skeksis dominance over the world. Interesting. Mm. Okay. In February 1978, Jim Henson and his daughter Cheryl found themselves stuck at an airport in um Kennedy Airport, in fact, uh, when it was struck by a snowstorm. They worked out the details of the film's world on numerous sheets of hotel notepaper. The notes became inspiration for the screenplay, uh, although work on the film didn't begin in earnest until 1979 uh, because they had to finish making the first Muppet movie. And then this film was made back to back with The Great Muppet Caper. So, wow. yeah. Anson's arms would have been very tired, I imagine. No oh, good God. No mm. kidding. Uh, Jim Henson personally trimmed 20 minutes from this film after a disastrous preview uh, in San Francisco. He also ordered many of the characters' voices redubbed to eliminate some of the invented character languages uh, to make the film more accessible and the plot easier to follow. Yeah, they did make entire languages, or at least great chunks of languages for them. Uh, and so, like, all the writing you can theoretically read the um the um uru have uh they're very circular it's almost gallifreyan yeah. um sort of a, a writing um and the skexies have um very very runic and and um harsh ones yeah. but then they even complement into each other because they're drawn along the same sort of geometric lines and so if you overlay them on top of each other you'll get they a... fit yeah that's cool the film was banned in several Islamic countries due to content that was deemed sacrilegious. Every Arabic-dubbed and Farsi-dubbed copy was destroyed by the censors. Wow. Because they felt a lot of the mythos that they were showing was too close to discussions of like religious iconography. And at that oh, time, they were obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. very like, no, you're not allowed this. So I thought it was interesting that, yeah, they because the detail they went into was so strong and the world they built felt so... Palpable. real they were like no this is like yeah blasphemy essentially yeah so oh wow that's interesting yeah there was certainly a point that made me go oh or mm. Indeed. <laughs> the little hairy things that crawl across and that the creatures eat are modified wind-up toy robots that run like crazy on two legs as a round rolling central body that houses them 
um, the wind-up key for their motor is removable. So they literally just wind them up and let them go on the set. Amazing. They so they're prob- going all over the place. Yeah, and the, the puppeteers were probably were trying to like actually hit them each time. <laughs> that one at the end was just lucky, like, I got him. <laughs> Take 27. Uh, the film made slightly over $40 million from a $15 million budget. Wow, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, but but it wasn't like a big success. Um, many parents felt that the film was too scary for their children. I mean... It also suffered from the fact it opened the same week as E.T. Oh, yeah, that would have... Yeah. Oof. That's that's a bit tragic. Mm. That's sad. You know, great. Spielberg's like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. Um, or Jim Henson. The film's conceptual artist Brian Froud and puppet designer Wendy Meidner met on the set of this movie and got married. Oh, that's kind of nice. So, yeah, he could have had a little... The two become one! Yes, exactly. He could have had a little, like, Skeksis wedding thing. Just like... (laughs) Horrifying. Mm, Dearly beloved. (laughs) Marriage! Trial by marriage! Marriage is what keeps us together! (laughs) Is that all the 80s films all together? And finally... Lou Grade sold his ITC film entertainment company to uh, the businessman Robert Holmes Accord, uh, who had no faith in the finished product based on the bad test screenings. As it looked to Holmes like Accord was going to bury the film, Jim Henson bought the property back and funded its own release. Ha! Good move. In fairness, yeah, he'd been working on it for five years. He was probably just like, no, this film's getting out whether they want to or not. Mm. Bugger you. Hmm. Yeah. So... All that remains is to score the film. And Ellen, we're going to start with you because it was your first time watching. What score would you give The Dark Crystal out of 10? Uh, I don't know. It's sort of... The visuals are really beautiful. They're really, really beautiful. But I feel like the story... like there's, It has like the bare bones of like amazing world building and amazing stuff, but the actual narrative was just kind of like, eh... For me, mm. um, I think I enjoyed the world building and the world that was created more than the actual happenings of the story. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it six fizz gigs out of ten. Mm. Just with big wide mouths. <laughs> ah, with a double row of teeth. Yeah. So good. Dan, what about you? What score is uh, Dark Crystal getting? Mm, um, well, yeah, I absolutely, I totally agree about the um, the plot being very much um, bare bones sort of hero's journey to- type stuff. Uh, but I think I think um, that sh- that was that was somewhat the point, except for the um, ending, which I I found um, very lovely. How it wasn't about destroying the evil Skeksis. It was about reunifying um, yeah. the split mm. and becoming becoming one again. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was it was it was about it was about togetherness and um, unification, which I think is very nice. Um, mm. and and more advanced than the usual defeat the bad person and their castle collapses. Um, this castle uh, the facade collapsed and then you could see the the pure crystal beneath. Um, yeah. and I adore no end I could, I could i could go on about it um the uh the world and um all the layered complexity um therein um i i, I still love it i've i've watched it pretty recently actually of, of all the the films that i've uh, i've reviewed here that i've um seen this is the one that i've seen most and most recently um oh except for christmas carol mother's christmas carol yeah but, but... still i'm i am giving this um Yep, still a solid eight. 
um, hefty groans as <laughs> as one sits down out of ten. Thank you for not doing all eight of them in a row, though. Oh, I'll just do the one. <laughs> Thank you. Lovely. <laughs> uh, for me, I um I I have not watched this film since I was young. Uh, this was one that we watched a lot. Um, you know, in the VHSs, it was like yeah. this and Labyrinth kind of were merged together in my mind mm. because of very similar looks and designs, and obviously Henson involvement. Mm. Um, having seen Labyrinth, um. A lot more recently than this um it was it was really interesting finding okay so what do i actually remember about this film and it is those visual images and it's visually striking and i was engaged with the world despite the fact that the story as you say is very paint by numbers oh go put the bad thing near the other bad thing to make it into a good thing um but but it it worked and the reason it worked is because simple stories can be well told by the environments around them and mm. i thought it was just beautifully done i love the puppets I, I think it was a really clever way of telling that story and um it it really holds up so i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it seven and a half mm, out of gelfling <laughs> Uh, so that is all for this week uh, Ellen and Dan thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch Up Club oh thank you for having us can, can, I, can I also just say as well I'm, I was really excited to see in the um, in the cast list um, to see a very familiar name from the Lord of the Rings which is Mr. Kieran Shah who was one of the Hobbit doubles oh yes yes uh, and I was very excited because we were just watching the um, the credits roll through and I was like oh yeah people people reading names because you know it's nice to read the credits because sometimes you're like oh that person has a funny name or oh I've seen them in something and then Kieran Shah popped up and I'm like oh Kieran Shah mm. he's great yeah Deep Roy is also in this for fans yeah. of uh, actors of shorter stature he's, you can see them running around as well and um, fans of good names oh yeah good yeah. Names oh, man, well. if, yeah if my name was Deep Roy oh goodness um, You'd wear a name badge everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Mm. Do I wear a name badge right now? Not at all. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you so much for joining me. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, hey, I think you're really neat. I like you a lot. Maybe you want this podcast happening more regularly uh, in your life. <laughs> subscribe is what I'm trying to say. It's very late. Uh, it's subscribe. Uh, and you'll get a fresh episode each and every week. Uh, no podlings would be harmed at all in the making of this episode. Uh, we can also be know. found on Facebook. You can search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. And we also have a Patreon. You can uh, give us life essence, as in money, uh, to help fund uh, <laughs> things like uh, the DVDs we buy and keeping the podcast going and things like that. And you get some bonus goodies out of it as well. So uh, just search for us over on Patreon or go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. But that's all for this week. So until next time. Gelfling. <laughs> Like podcast, smell like podcast, must be podcast. <laughs>